From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Only a few days ago, we were in week 18, the final week of the regular season. And there was controversy at the time, especially for the Chargers. Because with 2.43 to go in the second quarter, Mike Williams injured his back on the Chargers' fifth offensive series. He was carted off to the locker room. Now, we found out over the course of the last 24 hours that Williams isn't going to play in the game against the Jags. But we now have breaking news from Lindsey Theory, who covers the Chargers for ESPN. The Chargers have ruled out Mike Williams for the Jags playoff game, barring uh, with a, sorry, with a small back fracture. Barring a Super Bowl run, his season is likely over. This is not just an injury for this week. This will mean that Mike Williams is likely to miss the entire playoffs, possibly the Super Bowl if the Chargers were to advance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, ESPN Radio, Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, this is absolutely, we we said earlier that everything mm-hmm. Brandon Staley does right now puts him on the hot seat. He's going to have to answer some serious questions about the decision to play starters in a meaningless game now that one of the most important players for him offensively will not be available. Now, I will say this. I actually don't have a problem with him playing those players, but playing them as long as they he, he did go out there and play those guys, that's the issue I have. Now, you want to say to your team, you know, guys, we're going to go out there and we're going to play about two or three series, and that be it. But granted, also the flip side, you look at it, it was a game that was definitely meaning, meaningless for the Los Angeles Chargers. So you look at a guy like Mike Williams who's battled injuries, you know, throughout his career, and you miss some time this year. And in the first matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you did not have Keenan Allen. So now you're getting to a point to where, you know, you're able to have both of these guys out on the football field. And, you know, Justin Herbert has his weapons. Now you're going into one of the biggest games, I think, in Brandon Staley's career as a coach for the, for the Los Angeles Chargers. And you're going to be without your jump ball wide receiver, a guy that, you know, Justin Herbert could just throw it up to and, and he'll make a play for him. We've seen that over and over again. I actually seen it from Mike Williams when he was at Clemson. That's what he did for Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson was his quarterback. And it's, it's just a huge loss um, in an unfortunate situation that, you know, could have been prevented um, if, if the head coach decided not to, you know, play his guys past a certain time frame. This is I – know, I know Justin Herbert right now is probably saying, dang, man, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to weather this storm. It's just gonna make it that much more harder, I think, for you know the Chargers moving forward. But other guys on this on this offense, particularly in the wide receiver group, is gonna have to step up more. Like Joshua Palmer, uh, DeAndre Carter, those guys are gonna have to step up. Jared Everett from the tight end position, he's gonna have to be that much better. And also Austin Eckler, we know how great he is not only rushing the football but being a receiver out of the backfield. He's a guy who's who's caught the football out of the backfield. Um, a great amount this season, not just this season, but throughout his career. So now it just shifts things from a game plan standpoint um, to where, who you want to get the football to, where, how you want to play design uh, things moving forward. And it sucks that, you know, if they win this game, that he's not going to be able to play the, the following one as well. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. And remember, Joey Bosa also injured in that game now. Uh, he's fully expected to play. But again, from Lindsay Theory, the breaking news, the Chargers ruled out Mike Williams for the Jags playoff game with a small back fracture 
barring a Super Bowl run, his season is likely over. So this is not just a one-week situation. And here's the thing, man. And I'm not talking about you in general. I'm just talking about we, the world. When we watch football, we spend all year, all year, talking about the importance of the number one seed. Why? Because you need to buy. You need that mm-hmm. opportunity. It's one less game you have to play. Your guys can get healthy. It's your opportunity to sort of knock a little bit of the, the pain out. It's your opportunity to reset going in. We talk all year about the importance of the top overall seed, specifically because of the buy. The Chargers had an opportunity to give themselves a buy by not playing anybody. Like, that. that's real to me. I, I understand that you want to say, well, guys need rhythm and you don't want everybody to take the week off. But we don't sit there and say that about the number one overall seed. We watch teams fight for the opportunity to get a week off. So now you had the chance at a week off. You chose not to take it. And because you chose not to take it, you sit here missing one of the most important players on your offense in a playoff game that not only defines your franchise right now, it could define part of the conversation about your quarterback, and it certainly defines your own legacy as a coach. I, I can't make all that make sense. Either you play everybody all the time, and we should stop talking about the top overall seed and what it means for the bye, or you have to acknowledge when you have the opportunity to gift yourself a bye, you take the damn thing. Well, that's another, that's another way to look at it, but when you look at Mike Williams, too, like, you're not just losing any old guy. He's a leading receiver right now for the Chargers in, in only 13 games with 895 yards and four touchdowns. So now if I'm Jacksonville, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm looking at, you know, approaching this game from a standpoint, okay, now we have to worry about Keenan Allen. Not, not, nothing against Joshua Palmer because I, th- I think he stepped up tremendously this season and nothing against Gerald Everett as well either. But I'm going into this game and saying, you know what, on certain down the distances, on third downs, I'm going to double Keenan Allen. I'm going to force other guys to beat us, and I'm going to bank on our pass rush because they do have two rookies on the offensive line. we got to remember Jamari Sawyer from, from the University of Georgia. He's starting on that offensive line. Zion Johnson, who's a rookie as well, he's starting on that offensive line. I'm trying to make our, my defensive line, you know, tee off on some of those young guys. And granted, those guys have done a phenomenal job since being in this season, but at the end of the day, they're still rookies, and this is playoff football. So – I'm going to get Trayvon Walker, who happens to be a rookie, but he's on the defensive side, and he's hella athletic. I'm going to get Josh Allen, not the Josh Allen, Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills, but the Josh Allen that went to the University of Kentucky that's rushing the passer. A guy that I played with, uh, Corey Peters. Corey Peters is a, is a space eater. He's a guy who, who can make plays in the run game. He can make plays in the pass game. But then you look at a guy in Sean Jenkins who, who's been phenomenal for this defense. Friend of the show, by the way. Yep. Came on our show and did a tremendous job. And Foyer looking at the linebacker position. Devin Lloyd, now those guys are feeling a lot more better about themselves too from a defensive uh, perspective because, you know, Mike Williams isn't going to be out there. Now, again, Mike Williams, it looks like, is lost not only for this game against the Jags, but should they advance, would be lost for the entire playoff up to and possibly including the Super Bowl. We don't know about the Super Bowl, but according to Lindsay Theory, ESPN Chargers reporter, it looks like his season is likely over, which raises some questions about why those guys were on the field in the first place. I want to remind you what Brandon Staley said at his press conference after the game on the decision to play Mike Williams. This is yesterday about this specific injury and the decision to play Mike Williams. Yeah, I mean, I, I stand behind what we did in that football game. I think, you know, all my players are really important to me. And there were a lot of players that were you know, playing in that game that we're in harm's way. That's just the nature of football. And it's very difficult to decide who plays and who doesn't and who's more valuable than the rest. And what you're trying to do is set a standard for your program about how you do things. And um, that's, the, that's what I believe in. And um, I didn't want anybody to get hurt in that game, regardless of their status, because um, everybody's important. Um, so 
Um, you know, we're just hoping Mike gets back, but um, you know, we're going to be ready to play on Saturday. <laughs> Fitz, let me tell you the problem I have. I have with that with the, with that soundbite. It's hard to determine who's important and who's not. Uh, is he joking right now? I know he can't be serious saying that because I know Mike Williams is important. I know Keenan Allen is important. I know Joey Bosa is important. I know Austin Eckler is important. I know Khalil Mack is important. I know Justin Herbert is important. So if I know all those guys are important, I know Derwin James is important. If I know all those guys are important, Brandon Staley doesn't know all those guys are important? I watched the Chargers week one, and it was a great game against the Raiders. It was a very close game. I watched the Chargers week two and week three lose to Kansas City and get blown out by this Jag team they're going to take on. One of the reasons we keep saying that game was so different was because it was early in the season. Why did the Chargers look so off early in the season? Could be because Brandon Staley decided it was not worth the risk to play a single starter throughout the entire preseason. So he gave you a sense of what the organization thinks of meaningless games. Don't risk your guys for meaningless games. Even if it costs you the way that you play early in the season, he was prepared to take that risk. Why would you not be prepared to do this the same exact way? Part of my problem with Brandon Staley is, to your point, he says it's hard to determine who's important. But he also says the way we do things is the way we do things. Well, the way you've done things, Brandon Staley, is not play your starters in meaningless games. And this game was meaningless. Fitz, Brandon Staley more than one time has bothered me. From the decision-making as a head coach, um, things like this, not playing players in the preseason, but at the same time you come back here and you say you don't know who's important to your team. I'm, I'm re- that really is bothering my mind right now that we just – he said that actually in, a, in an interview with someone, you know, it, that he doesn't know who's important and how to determine who's important on his football team. It, it, what stuns me, as I said earlier when we were talking about the Cowboys, I've said this repeatedly. I don't think it's whether the Cowboys win or lose this weekend that matters for Mike Martz. Uh, Mike McCarthy, Mike Martz. But I gave Mike Martz the job back. Uh, I'm back in the league. Uh, Who was my offensive coordinator in the senior bowl oh, when I that. came out, too? Uh, it's not for me. It's <laughs> did McCarthy lose them the game? That's the big question we have to answer. Right now, the question you have to answer yourself is has Brandon Staley actively lost games for the Chargers. I would argue that last year against the Raiders in the season finale that would have sent them to the playoffs, the answer was clearly yes, he has. Now you are going in shorthanded into a playoff game because of a boneheaded decision by a head coach. To me, at some point, if you're the organization, you got to look around and say, my coach is a liability because he loses us games instead of winning his games. Again, this is all on the breaking news. Uh, At this point, it looks like Mike Williams has lost, not just for the game against the Jags, but lost all the way through the playoffs. There's a possibility he could be available for the Super Bowl should they get there, Uh, but we'll see. We all know the game isn't over till it's over. So next time you need parts for your car, don't call it quits. Go to eBay Motors. They got 122 million parts to take your car into overtime. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. I can't say it without ever saying it that way. All right, we told you we'd give you the all Friday the 13th NFL playoff team. We are absolutely going to do that. Breaking news uh, held it for a minute, but it's time to get scary with our playoff teams, and we'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. On Thursday, Derek Carr has announced that he's played his last game with the Las Vegas Raiders. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. 
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. I like your haircut, my man. The oh, little buzz you. cut. Thank I'm Lieutenant Dan. Looking like Forrest Gump over there, my Wait, man. Does I that like make it. you Lieutenant Dan and me Forrest? <laughs> I, I'm running. I, by the way, Forrest Gump. I, no, I like your haircut. I like it, though. Forrest Gump, wildly overrated movie. It was not even a good movie. Oh, it's a great goodness. soundtrack. You just say anything right now. Like, what are you talking about? It is not an overrated movie. It, it's, 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 what was the point? I mean, the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks of all time, but what I'm was the point? Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> Perfecto. Was was Devin Devin working behind the scenes? Was Devin ready with a with a force gump drop? We didn't know we were gonna do that. You said gump and I typed in gump and we got a lot of options. I mean that is that is fast acting tin actor right there. That is that is well done. In the butt talk, sir. Oh, the delightful sounds of Halloween. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers were presented by Progressive Insurance. Devin, is this Friday the, this Friday the 13th, right? All right, see. Harry, I know these things because Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we do not share the same affinity for Halloween. I am a Halloween fanatic. I love to have animatronic things all over my house that move and jump out and scare people. I love to hang... Uh, plastic all over the house to create weird tunnels <laughs> that people can jump out from behind, spray blood everywhere. Like I, I, I wreck my house for Halloween every single year, levitating things up on the walls. Like it, it's, it's a whole thing, Harry. So Harry's not in on any of that. I get it, but Harry, nah. I think I found a way to bring a little Halloween to you. Are you ready for this? Let's do this. How about the All Friday the Thirteenth NFL Playoff Team? Because today's Friday the Thirteenth. Mm. Oh, we just went. Play it again. Oh, man, that feels so good. I'm telling you. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go position by position, and we're going to figure out who the scariest person at each of these positions is in the playoffs. So it's every team in the playoffs will go position by position for the all Friday the 13th NFL playoff team. You ready for this? If you say ready, you don't have to get ready. Okay, it's perfect. Freaky Friday. Okay, now he's back to Freaky Friday. Let's start at the quarterback position because everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks uh, all the time. We always start with quarterbacks. So, in your mind, Harry, who's the scariest quarterback in all of the playoffs? Yeah, I think this is simple. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. You're looking at a guy right now who's number one in passing in the National Football League, who's probably going to be the MVP. Uh, he's going to be my vote. Um, and if I actually had one, he, I would have stamped it in. Uh, probably two weeks ago. But you're talking about a guy who's completing 67.1% of his passes, over 5,200 yards fits, 41 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. This is the same Patrick Mahomes that a lot of people say may probably take a step back this season because he did not have Tyreek Hill. It actually made him a better quarterback. So now he gets to diversify the football to a lot of different people versus just two people. So I'm going with Patrick Mahomes in those regards. But you also look at his past success in the playoffs. You know, hosting the AFC Championship game in the last four years, winning the Super Bowl, getting to another one, being the MVP uh, of the National Football League, throwing 50 touchdowns in one season. So I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, actually, I totally agree with you on Patrick Mahomes. I got, there's no quarterback to me in the entire NFL that's scarier. I get it. 
that Tom Brady's a little bit like Michael Myers, like he's never dead. But I also think that at some point, you know, the, the ability for Patrick Mahomes to get you anywhere, anyway, you got 11 seconds, you left Patrick Mahomes too much time. That's all I'm saying. You didn't leave Brady too much time with 11 seconds right now. You left Mahomes too much time. All right, so that's our that's our quarterback for the All-Friday, the 13th NFL playoff team is scary. What about the wide receiver group? Ooh. This is easy and simple, too. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. My God, we're who lost. We have up. Jamar Chase, who's over 1,000 yards. T. Higgins, who's over 1,000 yards. And then Tyler Boyd, who has over 750 yards. If you're playing man coverage against this group, you're going to get eight up all game long. So I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals and their wide receiver group. Yeah, I, actually, we agree. We're two for two now. I, this one is really simple for me. Uh, there is no wide receiver. I think the Eagles, you know, obviously want to stake their claim to it, but Man, they, they just scare me so much. Uh, you've got a bunch of guys that could be number ones on that wide receiver group. I'm good with that. Running back combo. Scariest running back combo in all the playoffs to you. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And when I look at a guy like Tony Pollard, he's a guy that can do it rushing the football and also in the pass game. And if you want to put him on returns, he can be very valuable in those regards as well. You look at Ezekiel Elliott, who has, um, I think, over, over 800 yards right now. And 12 touchdowns, and Tony Pollard, he's went over 1,000. When they get down close into the tight red zone, we know Ezekiel Elliott is going to get that football, and he's going to punch it in. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys and their one-two punch with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Yeah, I think it's the fact that there are two of them that make that, right? Like, there's yeah. no better running back, in my mind, in the playoffs, obviously, than Christian McCaffrey. But there's Christian McCaffrey. You know, Saquon Barkley may say something. Yeah, Saquon may have a little bit of a say in that, too. Uh, but the, when you've got two guys, and it is the running back combo, it's not just yeah. the running back. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. We agree on everything so far. It's the all-Friday the 13th NFL playoff team. What about the scariest <laughs> offensive line? This is easy, easy for me as well. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. You talk about Jordan Malata. You talk about Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelly, uh, Samello. Some, some I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name co the correct way. Now, I know Lane Johnson has to come back from injury, from the groin injury that he suffered a few weeks ago. But I look at this offensive line, and I think they're the best in, in, in the National Football League. They have been the best this season. I don't think they're going to have a drop-off in a playoff game either. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, this is boring at this point. We're taking There's a ton of talent on the offensive <laughs> line for the 49ers. And, by the way, the Chiefs' offensive line last week played really well. The, uh, last, uh, a couple of weeks ago played really well. But, yeah, this is all about Philly, right? This is, uh, like, this is just a huge part of what makes Philly tick right now is their offensive line. What about uh, – we're going to agree on this one too, I'm sure, unless you yep. get wild with me. Scariest defense in the NFL playoffs? I'm going to go with D'Amico Ryans and the San Francisco 49ers. You look at a guy in Nick Bosa who leads the lead in sacks right now with 18 and a half. You look at those three linebackers with, you know, Fred Warner, Al Shire, and also Dre Greenlaw. You look at Hufunga in the secondary. Also, um, they got some guys back from injury on that defensive line as well. Eric Armstead, he's there, and he's healthy now, uh, along with a few other guys on, on that D-line. So I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers and what they've been able to do the last 10 games in which they've won, and that's just be dominant in an in a, in a, in a, in a easy fashion. You know, the, the great thing about a horror movie is most of the time it's pretty predictable, and every mm -hmm. once in a while things just jump out at you. That's sort of the, the, the method here. We are predictably agreeing on everything. What about the best, or I shouldn't say the best, the scariest coaching staff on the all-Friday the 13th NFL playoff team? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid with, paired with uh, Eric Bieniemy. Now, you know, Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, he kind of, you know, gives me some nervousness here and there. But I think overall, when you look at Kansas City and what they lost in Tyreek Hill and how they've been able to weather the storm, and Andy Reid, it was phenomenal before he got to Kansas City. He was, 
he was a hell of a coach when he was in Philadelphia with Brian Westbrook and when he had Deshaun, you know, Jackson and, and, and also other receivers there and Terrell Owens and made a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb. I think his offense is just elevated a lot more when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, but he's been able this season to get Patrick Mahomes to see the big picture when it comes to diversifying the football and finding different guys more so than just, you know, a few of them. You know what? I'm going to be on the all negative team and take scary as a negative connotation here (laughs) and go with the chargers because they're the scariest in the sense that they'll find a way to lose you that game. I'm just saying like, maybe it's a Mike Williams thing on this just sitting in my mind. Maybe it's, it's watching Brandon Staley repeatedly try to be the smartest guy in the room. It's close between the Cowboys and the chargers, but I think the scariest to a negative coaching staff in the entire NFL is obviously in the playoffs. I should say is obviously the chargers. We told you speaking of coaches, what John Harbaugh should have said about Lamar Jackson. Now you'll hear why Harbaugh said what he said from the coach in breaking news. It's uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Playoffs. That's what we've been preparing for, and we're looking forward to uh, our opportunity. Everybody's zero and zero going forward, so we can't wait to get started. Proud of the way these guys focused, found a way to get it done, secured the three seed, and now we get a chance to play these guys again, host a playoff game. That's a huge deal to be able to do that. The Ravens' hope is that he's able to get on the practice field this week in advance of the playoff game in Cincinnati. Lamar's been in great spirits. I mean, he's he has been. He's been working super hard, and hopefully it's progressing to the point where he can get to practice. When we have something to report on that, we will. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You can watch us in the ESPN app, actually, where you can see Harry doing something. I, like, I, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. What, what do we call that's, that dance? That's the, that's the dance to the, this song by uh, Lil Jump, Lil, uh, Young Jock. See that one more time? One more time? This, like, this, this is the like little weird uh, hand thingies. Boom, I, like, boom, am I? Am boom, I, I like you oh, yeah. ride yeah. the motorcycle. Okay. Ride. Boom. Yeah. Boom. I, I, boom. I'm I got to take you out in Atlanta, man. It's it's, it's obvious. I, mean, I have to take you out. Once, Jeez. once you'll take me out. Like after once, they'll be like, everybody will be like, really? him? No, not that guy, right? Or it'll be like when we were out in L.A. and somebody walked up and offered to let me hold your things because I'm your personal assistant. Definitely you were, you, at the time, you were my assistant at the time. I according, mean, according to everybody that walked by. I'm definitely like, I'd be riding into all the clubs in Atlanta with like a total assistant vibe. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, the saga, let's call it that, the drama between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson seems to grow every day. Remember a couple of days ago, uh, Harbaugh was asked at his press conference about how he would respond to fans that think that Lamar is not playing because of injury. That led to Harbaugh essentially saying, I'm not, I can't worry about that. I worry about football. And then Lamar putting out a statement yesterday, making it very clear that he's not on the field because of a PCL injury uh, that was a, a, a level two, a grade two sprain, uh, close to a grade three, making it very clear that his knee lacks the stability necessary to play. So it was almost like he was coming back and clapping back. Well, 
You know then, Harry, that Harbaugh is going to be asked about it, and he just was. This is breaking. John Harbaugh at the Ravens uh, press conference today when asked about Lamar Jackson. John, we saw Lamar put out a tweet yesterday about his injury. Did you did you know he was going to do that, or did you kind of find out when we did? Uh, no, I didn't know anything about that. Uh, I haven't paid much attention to it. John, is, is it, does the team agree with the assessment of it being a grade two, borderline grade three? Well, you know, that's the thing. It's not something that uh, that we can comment on. You know, the, the, the nature of an injury specific is is really the only person that can comment on that is a person. I mean, there's there's laws along those lines. We're educated by the league in terms of what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. So that's nothing I could ever begin to comment on. I got the sense that fans were thrown off by the contrast between the initial optimism around the injury and then him saying yesterday that it was a more serious injury. Was it was it a case where you guys realized it was a more serious injury maybe as, as you went along and he tried to rehab it? Or You know, that's like, here's the thing. It's like, you don't know. And that's why it's so challenging to stand here and and you get asked questions about injuries all the time and understand it because it's important. And you don't always know. Sometimes you're hopeful it'll be quicker. I know I'm always hopeful that guys get back quicker. That's the front end of any kind of a prediction. Sometimes it goes the other way and it's longer and you're disappointed. And that's why it's really tough to... Uh, had he communicated to you that he felt his knee was unstable? Uh, I, I'm not going to get any conversations you have with players. I mean, that's just not something that I would do. We have conversations about things all the time. And those are, those are conversations between me and, and guys, whoever they are, really. Just that's all I can say about it. Harry, mm-hmm. what do you think? <laughs> All this could have been avoided if he just would have said what we mentioned earlier today and yesterday. If he would have came out yesterday and said, hey, Lamar Jackson wants to be out here as much as everyone else. Um, you know, some things are, are holding them up right now. And But if he was capable of being out here and practicing with his team and getting to get ready for this game, he would be out here. That's all he had to say yesterday. And I don't think he would have had the backlash that you're getting today. And I don't think he would have had to do the interview that he just, you know, that, that we just heard him do with, with, with reporters. That's the problem. you got to approach this situation. you got to dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And now he's in a situation where you know he's frustrated. But now it's, 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 it's getting bigger attention and more attention now. And they're trying to get ready to, you know, try to go win a playoff game. But he could have avoided all this. Harry, I'm so much more forgiving to a player that misspeaks in front of a microphone because you're a player. You may or may not be prepared for that. You may or may not care about it. It's not really something you have to worry about. Like when a player says something in front of a mic and it blows up, a lot of times I sit there and say, well, what's the situation? When a coach at a press conference misspeaks, that's a total different thing. Or doesn't say the right thing, that's a total different thing. Because a coach knows that part of the job is sitting in front of those microphones. And a coach knows that those questions are going to come. Like, you have to be prepared for the inevitable questions that will happen. And, and look, I'm not some expert on how to, how to handle an interview, but I know this. I know if you and I are going in to do press with somebody, we have a pretty good idea what's going to be asked, and we're prepared for it. That's part of the job. When you are a coach and you are the representative of your franchise, and every single day as a result, you're going to stand in front of the same beat reporters with the same mics in front of your face, you know what's coming. Harbaugh had to be better ready for it. This entire Bro, process was created by his his first answer. Did I not tell you this was going to cause some friction? Yes. Between head coach and the face of the franchise. He had no idea Lamar Jackson was going to go out 
and tweet what he tweeted yesterday. But at the same time, when you don't stand up for your player in a way that he feels feels like you need to stand up for him, um, especially a guy who who has done everything that you've asked him to do, who's who's been the reason why you know you're in the position that you are in, a guy that means so much to this organization, a guy that doesn't have off the field issues. When you have a guy like that, you do everything in your power to make sure he's okay and make sure you know uh, the the positive light is always being shined on him. Lamar Jackson felt some type of way, so that's why he went out and tweeted what he tweeted. Now, I'm putting this on John Harbaugh. Now, I think this is the start of something that could, you know, lead to Lamar Jackson not being there anymore. And if he doesn't want to be there, he has every right to. Because I, I just don't think this organization has which, – which is normally a wonderful organization. I just don't think when, it, when it's come to Lamar, I don't think they have handled things properly. It's, it's all about anticipation to me, Harry. Like – I, I use this all the time with us, but think about any real life situation. I don't care if you work here or if you work on a team in a financial place. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do for a living, you and I are a team, right? If mm-hmm. I am going up to stand in front of a bunch of reporters and you've missed a month of shows, I need to be prepared for the answer to the question of what's up with Harry. And if I come out and and stand in front of a microphone and say, like, well, I can't really worry about that. I just got to worry about you know, whoever I'm hosting with today, you're going to feel some kind of way about that. Well, and then you're going to go to Twitter a, and you're going to be like, like you, I'm going to feel like you as a teammate, because we're, we're teammates here, right? As a teammate, I'm going to feel like you don't care about me. I don't feel like you have my back and you're kind of throwing me under the bus. That's how I'm going to feel. And you're going to go to Twitter and be like, let me tell you exactly why I've been out, which is yep. going to show the entire world that you and I have friction, right? Like that's all yep. very real. If we just take what's happening right now in an NFL team with the Ravens, who you said just a minute ago, smartly, they've always done th- like they're a respected organization, right? Yeah. So they're getting a le- level of benefit of the doubt that non-respected organizations wouldn't get. If this was happening with the Cowboys that were all waiting to just you know jump on and trash constantly, if this was happening with a bad football team, we would we would be racing to the gates to talk about the dysfunction. But right now it's like, well, you know, no, it is not fine. Harbaugh screwed this thing up, and he put himself in a situation where his superstar quarterback has had to defend himself, and we know that things are broken. Really quick, the most important thing that I got out of this whole thing, Bengals by 50. (laughs) Bengals by 50. Oh, man. Not not 50, Bengals by 50. That is a perfect segue because we haven't haven't hit on all the games this weekend. We're bringing the slate of chaos back to get you caught up and predict the rest of the wild card weekend action. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Music can mean only one thing. Now it's time to dance the electric slide. Hey, what? The slate of chaos is here. That's right. Slate of chaos means we got a bunch of games to run through to get you ready for the weekend. Yeah, you saw them moves there. Yeah. Oh, Those are, oh still my taking goodness. me to the club? Are we going to the club? Not only do you have tight hips, but you have tight shoulders. Your arms don't reach all the way up in the air. But my here's the weird thing. I have impeccable rhythm. Like, 
Everybody says to dance, you have to have rhythm. No, you do not. Like, yeah, I, I have. I, Just I mean, come, come with me, man. My you whole know, life as a musician, I'm, I can subdivide a beat like there's no tomorrow. I'm going like, to take I, you somewhere, I, man, I, for the I, culture. I'm going to oh, take you go somewhere. Go for the summer man. for the culture? I can probably For the culture. Little, 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 I don't no, know. It, I, it, it, the, 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 the second word in the name may end in city. Now, you can figure out the first word. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I do love chicken wings. Uh, it's Fitz you know and I mean? Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Slate of Chaos means we run through a bunch of games, and let's start with the one, Harry, we were just talking about. It is this one. Ravens at Bengals. Ravens at Bengals coming up. Obviously, we were just mentioning no Lamar. No Lamar, no chance. You said it as we went to break. Bengals by 50 I mean, I honestly think that this is one of those games where Joe Burrow could be on the sidelines by the fourth quarter. I think the Ravens are going to get absolutely demolished in this football game. Yeah, I agree agree with that as well. When you look at this Ravens football team and all they have going on now, the head coach and John Harbaugh, um, not taking up for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson tweeting out. So now the locker room has to answer to a lot of those things as well as the head coach for one simple mistake that could have been avoided. You also look at last week's game when Anthony Brown was a starting quarterback, and I understand Tyler Huntley is better than Anthony Brown, but they had four turnovers in that, in that ball game, and the Cincinnati Bengals scored touchdowns off of every last one of them. I also think right now when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, they're the best team in the AFC, and they're looking to punish somebody, to punish somebody because, you know, they were upset that – you know, if the Ravens would have won that game last week, it would have went to a coin flip and who hosted this game uh, for the first weekend. So they have a little chip on their shoulder right now, and I think a lot of people have woken up a sleeping giant. Not that they were sleeping that much. They were taking a little cat nap, but they were still winning football games. But now I think the Cincinnati Bengals are woke, 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 and they want to embarrass anybody standing in their way uh, trying to win a Lombardi trophy. I mean, you and I both know we are the presidents of the Joe Grapefruit Borough fan club around you here. Like, believe it. I mean, there's just a there's an opportunity for them to not only win this football game, but to make a statement, you know, and, and that's what it feels like. The Bengals last year, it was, oh, who are the Bengals? Can they do this? And now it's, oh, you don't want to take on the Bengals. Like, I, if, if I'm everybody in the AFC, I'm watching this game just to see how it plays out. Now, next up on the slate of chaos. Dolphins at Bills. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, Skylar Thompson <laughs> taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. And, man, it's just – like, my heart breaks for, for Dolphins fans, right? Like, you wait forever to get your playoff opportunity, and you get Skylar Thompson. Like, this, I, I'm just being honest. As a fan, it sucks when you finally get to the playoffs and you don't get to see your quarterback. Listen, no joke, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Miami Dolphins because I respect anybody who can, you know, make it to this level and play at a very, very, you know, high level. Um, but this is going to be a warm-up game for the Buffalo Bills. They didn't have their best outing against the New England Patriots last week. They needed two touchdowns on kick returns by Naheem Hines uh, to stay afloat in that matchup as well. Josh Allen made two amazing throws in that game, but I'm looking at this matchup uh, against the Miami Dolphins and kind of similar to the matchup last year against a NFC East opponent in the first round of the playoffs when they faced the New England Patriots and they put up a ton of points. I'm looking at Josh Allen going against that defense of Miami who love to play man coverage. I don't know why, but they love to play man coverage and blitz. The last matchup, Josh Allen had 304 yards and four touchdowns. They were four for five in the red zone. My goodness. Josh Allen is looking to go out here and ball and make plays against man coverage because that's what he plays the best against. It's the zone coverage that bothers him. So I think Buffalo huge in this one. Yeah, one thing I will say about both of these games and same with 49ers, Seahawks. I love the fact that there's familiarity with these two yeah. coaching staffs, with these teams. You will mm-hmm. find, like, coaching's going to matter in both of these matchups. Speaking of coaching matter, it always matters for Dallas. 
Cowboys at Buccaneers. Oh, it's Monday night on every single ESPN station on ABC, on ESPN Plus, on ESPN Deportes. Basically, if it has an ESPN on the front of it, go ahead and watch it. You'll get that game on Monday night. Cowboys at Bucks. Harry, this one is all about pressure on the Cowboys, if that's real. And it's all about all eyes on Brady to figure out, can he do the impossible? Well, for me, it's about Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. Can he get his team to play a clean game in which they haven't played in a very long time? Can he get his team to stop turning the football over? Can he get the defense to, you know, get sacks consistently? Can he get the defense to create turnovers consistently? But also, can he get Dak Prescott not to turn the football over and throw interceptions? Can he get the run game and Kellen Moore in the offensive corner? Can he get the run game going? Can Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott have a big one? Can Turpin, you know, secure the football on punt returns? And can he have a big return for a touchdown, for a big play, uh, being explosive? On the flip side of that, you look at Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is the moment that I think Tampa Bay has been waiting for. Not that they've been losing games and haven't played well on purpose, but when you have carryover from a Super Bowl team a few years ago, I just don't think you forget that when it comes uh, back up into the like moments like this and wild card weekend and playoff football. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time for a reason. I think he's going to have these guys play at, at a very high level. And for the first time, I think we've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. I believe we're going to get a complete game from them for the very first time. Here's my problem. Well, let's look at week one. Obviously, the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys. I know that. After that, the good teams that they played, they lost to the Chiefs, right? We all know that. Uh, they lost to the Ravens. They lost uh, to the Bengals. They, uh, they, You can go up and down the board. They lost to the 49ers. When the Bucks have had to play good football teams, they lose. I think As much as I can say this total respect to Tom Brady and who he is and his ability to be the extra 10%, I don't think that the Bucs are an extra 10% away from being competitive. I, I, as bad as the Ooh. Cowboys have played, I think the Cowboys are going to go in, they're going to stomp the Bucs, it's going to be the end of the Brady era in Tampa Bay, and all of this conversation about what's next at head coach is going to be shut up for at least a week because the Cowboys are clearly, top to bottom, a better football team than the Buccaneers. This is simple to me. They are. The Cowboys are a better football team, but the Cowboys haven't been playing great football coming into the playoffs. Now, what are we going to say, Fitz? Oh, son of a biscuit. You're going to make Tom me say Brady listen to Coach. Tom Brady comes up here, com comes on Monday night, and he wins this football game, and then Tuesday we have to do a show together. Oh, it's going to be listen to Coach, and I'm going to have it coming. Like, that's, a, that's the thing. I just put my heart, and I, I wore my heart on my sleeve with my hot take, and if I'm wrong about it, boy, I'm going to have to hear about it. But if I'm right, we're opening the show on Monday with everything I just said because, let's face Tuesday, it, we're both Tuesday. children. Oh, Tuesday. All right, all right. Has Lamar Jackson played his last game in Baltimore? We're going to ask an Expert next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.